Well, hello there, friend, and welcome to the My Adoption Coach podcast. I am so glad that you decided to join us today. My name is Amanda, and I'm an adoption profile expert. I help hopeful adoptive families create, edit, and share their adoption profiles with expectant families so that you can match faster. I do this by giving you step-by-step resources to help you all along your adoption journey. So let's dive right in. Are you just starting your adoption journey and trying to figure out what path is right for you? If so, you're likely feeling a little overwhelmed at what do all of these words even mean? What are the differences between them? And ultimately, you're probably just a little confused trying to figure out what is the right method of matching for you. Don't worry, friend, I've got your back. That's exactly what we're going to cover in today's episode. Today, we are talking about all the different types of matching and whether or not you should be picking one over another. If you haven't taken a moment yet to subscribe to the podcast and you're listening on Apple, all you have to do is click the three little dots in the top right-hand corner of where you're listening to this episode, click follow the show, and you'll be notified each time I release a new episode. There are seven different types of private adoption that most people are familiar with, at least the name, but the actual terminology can be highly confusing. So today I'm going to give you an overview of each type. And if you're looking for a resource, that's really going to help you pick the right one for you. Head on over to myadoptioncoach.com backslash match. And that is going to take you to a resource that'll be super valuable to help you walk through picking which one is exactly right for you. Okay, so let's dive into the first type of the seven different types of private adoption. The first type is international adoption. Now, international adoption means exactly what you think it means. It means you're adopting a child from another country. This could be a baby all the way to a teenager. It really varies. International adoption is the most different of all of the types of adoption that we're going to talk about today because it is governed by a completely different set of rules. And it is governed not only by the kind of the rules or the laws for the United States, but it is also governed by the laws in other countries as well. You see, there are only certain countries that the United States will allow you to adopt from. And there are only certain countries that uh, that will allow people from the United States to adopt from there as well. And each country, again, has its own set of requirements. Those requirements might be that you need to live in country for a certain period of time. Like currently at the moment, Uganda requires you to live there for six months before you could bring home a child. Uh, Other countries might have requirements as it relates to stay-at-home parent status, to the amount of money that your household brings in, to your BMI, to religion. There are all sorts of different requirements and they vary between country. If you are interested in pursuing international adoption, my best piece of advice for you is to do all the research you can on the country, and then find an adoption attorney or an agency that specializes in international adoption here in the U.S. to be your liaison. I know there's one couple that I'm friends with on Facebook right now that they're trying to adopt from Korea. And they have been through, you know, several, several months and tons and tons of paperwork in order to have the opportunity to maybe bring their child home in the next six to seven months. This is after they've traveled to the country. They've begun to bond with these children. 
They have regular FaceTimes and video visits with these children, celebrate birthdays and all types of occasions over the internet through Zoom to really begin to make that family unit. But in the background, they're going through all of the appropriate, you know, home study visits, all of the background checks and doing all of the things that are required by the country, uh, their government in that country so that they will be eligible to adopt adopt a child from there. So again, international is the most different type of adoption of all of those that we're going to cover today. But if it is something you're interested in, I highly suggest that you do the due diligence and find an international adoption expert. And if you know one that would be great to be interviewed on the show, feel free to drop me a line and I will interview them and share everything that I can with you. Okay, now we're going to move on to types two through seven. And these are primarily going to be focused in the United States or also called domestic adoption or domestic private adoption. Just kind of depends again who's saying what, but those are the terms that you're most likely going to hear. Okay. The second type is foster care. Now, as with most things in the adoption process, every state has its own set of rules, just like every country has its own set of rules in international adoption. Every state does in private domestic adoption and foster care is no different. Foster care typically requires for you to have a home study, for you to meet a certain set of criteria, again, that vary by state. And the ultimate goal of foster care is reunification. Now, it is important to note there are two kind of different paths within foster care. And again, some states will allow you to pursue both paths paths at the same time. Some will have requirements for you to do one versus the other. But there would be foster care where you're literally caring for someone until they have the opportunity for them to be reunited with their birth family or for their birth family's rights to be terminated. And the second type of foster care adoption would be adoption really focused on foster care. And so the first is really not adoption, if you will, but it's important to note that there is a distinct difference. Some states will allow you to to adopt directly from foster care without fostering, and some states will not. And some states, the opportunities to adopt from foster care is really limited. And in other states, there are more opportunities to adopt from foster care. There really is just no set standard, if you will, as it relates to how that works. So again, it is something you really need to research in the state in which you live. Now, there are some common misconceptions around foster care. The first is that you'll never be able to adopt. We know that you certainly can adopt. The second would be that all the children that are available for adoption are much older and that you're not going to have the opportunity to bond with a child from you know, basically an infant state. But again, that's not necessarily true. It varies by state. Another common misconception is that adopting from foster care is free. And that's just not the case. It can be in some states. And in some states, you'll actually be paid to care for the child. Now, what I hear is that that doesn't ultimately offset the cost of caring for the child, obviously. But some states will uh, charge you $5,000 to, you know, do the paperwork aspect of it. In some states, it's more. Again, it really comes down to a state by state perspective, but that is a common misconception is that, you know, it's totally free. The last misconception that I would say that I hear quite often in our group and in my DMs from folks is that foster care is going to be an easier route to go. Foster care adoption is simply not easier than private adoption. 
all adoption has trauma, all adoption has loss, all adoption has a myriad of different emotions that you need to process through from an entire triad perspective. And it doesn't matter if you're waiting for an expected family to pick you or not. So don't fall into the common misconception trap of, well, it's going to be easier because I don't have an expected family to deal with. No, but actually not having an expected family to quote unquote deal with is actually going to give you other things that you're going to need to process and work through from a trauma perspective potentially. So don't fall into that common trap that it's just an easier solution. Okay. Next, we're going to move on to the third type of private adoption, which would be using an adoption agency. Now, an adoption agency means that you are working with a particular company and it is their job to find potential matches with expectant parents on your behalf. It is also their job to facilitate the entire adoption process as well. And that would mean ensuring that the expectant family is getting the support that they need, both from a financial perspective, as well as a legal perspective, and from a medical and mental health perspective. And they're also going to be finalizing the adoption for you. So they're going to be working with the attorney to make sure that all the paperwork is appropriately processed so that you are legally adopting the child and not going to have kind of hangups down the road from a legal process perspective. Now, some common misconceptions that exist when it comes to working with adoption agencies. The first would be that it's going to be a smooth process. I can tell you that's simply not the case. There is no such thing as a quote unquote smooth process in adoption. There are twists and turns because we are dealing with people and humans have emotions and emotions mean that things are never quite as smooth as you think they're going to be. The next common misconception about private agency adoption would be that all adoption agencies are $50,000 plus for an adoption opportunity. That's just not the case anymore. Mm -hmm. There are smaller adoption agencies that are nonprofits that maybe work on a more local or state level that really make adoption a really affordable choice. Now, in those types of situations, you're going to have to step up and do a little bit more of the adoption outreach. But that is something that I can teach you to do. There are tons of videos on my YouTube channel and podcast in the My Adoption Coach podcast library that you can go back and learn more about that. But adoption agencies don't have to be equivalized to this gigantic price tag. Okay. Okay. So now let's talk about a few facts when it comes to adoption agencies. There are a couple of different types of adoption agencies. There are national adoption agencies that are working across all states to match you or most states to match you because there are some states where it's not legal. And there are state or local adoption agencies. Again, they're going to be focused on finding expectant parents in your particular state, and they're not going to be casting quite as wide of a net. Now, that does not mean that one is going to um, match you faster than the other or that one's going to be better than the other. Both opportunities to work with them really just comes down to who's the right fit for you. And if you need help figuring out what's the right agency for you, head on over to myadoptioncoach.com backslash match. And there's a resource there that I use with my clients to help them guide through the interview process so they can really find the right fit for them. The next thing that you need to know about adoption agencies is some of them actually offer insurance policies against disruption. 
And so they'll give you the opportunity to pay $500 or $1,000 so that if an expectant family changes their mind after you've already made the investment in the adoption, that you can actually have your money returned to you. So if you're really nervous about a disruption and losing your funds, that may be something to ask about. Actually, no matter if you're working with an agency, an attorney, or a consultant, like all of them offer some sort of version of that or they don't. And so you need to ask that question up front. Another thing that we always want to talk about when it comes to adoption agencies is timeline, right? We're all very curious on how many families do they have on their waiting list. We're also incredibly curious on how long will it take. I can tell you that on average, my clients are being told from their adoption agencies to plan about two years as the wait time during the the time of this recording and call it fall of 22. My clients, on the other hand, are actually seeing anywhere from six to nine months as being their average wait time. And that really comes back again to the quality of their adoption profile. The better your adoption profile, the more often you share it, the faster you're going to match, no matter which method of matching you're actually pursuing. The last thing that is important to know about adoption agencies is that they're not all created equal, my friend. Some agencies really are in it for the benefit of the families being formed and really put that at the center and the heart of everything they do. And other agencies, I hate to say it, actually are a business in the end. And they're looking out for their business, which I understand they have employees to take care of and to ensure livelihoods exist for the well-being of their families. But it is important that you find the right agency that really is the right fit for you. Okay, so now let's move on to the next type of private adoption, which would be working with an attorney and not any attorney, an adoption-specific attorney. So when you're working with an adoption-specific attorney, they are going to work with you in one of two ways. Either they're going to be looking for expectant families to match you with, or they're going to have expectant families that come to them just naturally through referrals or advertising or word of mouth and things of that nature. And they're going to present your profile to them as potential hopeful adoptive families that they could match with. The second way that adoption attorneys work is that they are actually asking you to go and find someone to match with on your own and bring them to the attorney and the attorney will finalize the paperwork. With both of the different types of um, matching, if you will, with the attorney, the costs obviously vary. Your adoption will be less if you are finding the expectant parent to match with than if the attorney is, right? Because there are obviously hours that go into having those conversations to explore opportunities that the attorney is creating and finding for you. So therefore, the cost is slightly higher there. On the average, this tends to be less expensive than working with an adoption agency in general. However, there are some trade-offs to that. Attorneys don't often provide the medical, mental health in particular resources that expectant parents might need or that you might need through the adoption process. Now, this doesn't mean that you can't match with an attorney and then still go seek out those resources and provide them. You certainly can. I've interviewed Kim from Birth Moms Today on the show before. She has a wonderful counseling program that has really helped 
expectant parents and birth parents really process the grief that they're going through. And that doesn't require, you know, some big fancy agency in order to facilitate that. That is just birth moms talking with birth moms that are certified in grief counseling that can really help them process through all of their emotions. So if it's something that you want to consider using an adoption attorney, know that you can always bring in other resources in order to complete your journey. You might need to bring in an adoption profile expert like yours truly. You might need to talk to a pediatrician that's, you know, an adoptive mama that has, you know, that can answer questions as it relates to medical records. Or you might need Kim from Birth Moms Today to really help support your birth mama through the process as well. So let's talk about a few misconceptions as relates to adoption attorneys. The first one that I get quite often is you will not have any sort of disruption with an adoption attorney. That's not true at all. It's still a typical adoption process full of humans with human emotions. And that can really have an impact, obviously, on the outcome of your adoption. The next misconception is that it's going to be faster. It's not. You just have no way of knowing without predicting it. Again, I think you're going to hear me say as a broken record, my friend, the two things you can do to match faster, have a high quality profile and share it as many times as possible. And that doesn't matter which type of match it, method of matching you're using. That's ultimately what's going to make the difference. The third misconception is that it's going to be cheaper all the time. It might not. That is really up to you. On average, it certainly is cheaper than using an adoption um, agency because there's just less overhead. But if you end up in a situation where your expectant family needs a lot of financial support, obviously that could change. Or if for some reason they're not able to get on, you know, Medicaid, Medicare, you know, um, different things, services like that that they need, then there might be more out of pocket medical costs. So it is just something for you to be mindful of and make sure that you're setting those financial boundaries and goals for yourself throughout the process. If you need help doing that, again, that resource on over at myadoptioncoach.com backslash match has a financial planner inside of it. And that will help you walk through that process. So you can get really clear on what are those financial goals that you want to make sure you stay within for your adoption. The fifth type of private adoption that we're going to talk about here in the US is using an adoption consultant. An adoption consultant works with agencies and attorneys on a broader scale basis to share your family and then ultimately to provide you opportunities from multiple different agency and attorney partners you could potentially match with. Does this mean that your adoption goes faster? Not necessarily. Does it mean that your adoption is more expensive? Probably, but again, not necessarily. You see how an adoption consultant comes into the mix is you pay them a flat fee for going out and finding opportunities with attorneys and agencies on your behalf. They're sharing your profile on a regular basis. They're bringing those opportunities to you. And could you match faster? Absolutely. In theory, that is exactly what an adoption consultant is designed to do is to help you match faster because they have a wider net that they're casting with, you know, four potential opportunities. Now, how that kind of, you know, really translates in the real world comes down to each individual opportunity. You may match faster. You may not match faster. It's hard to exactly predict that. Typically, your wait time versus about two years, what my clients are being told by their adoption consultant partners they're working with is a year. 
What is happening though, in most cases is that my clients are actually still matching and they call it six to nine month period. We had someone that matched incredibly quickly at four months, uh, but that six to nine month period seems to hold true for my clients, no matter if they're working with an attorney, an agency or a consultant. And then again, the opportunities just vary. Some opportunities they're finding themselves through the marketing plans that I create for them. And some opportunities are coming through their agency or attorney, but coming through more quickly because it's easier to understand who they are because of their adoption profile. Now, most people want to hang a price tag on each different type of adoption. And they want to hang a like $70,000 plus or $60,000 plus, you know, price tag on adoption consultants. Again, it really comes down to each individual opportunity, which is why it is really important that before you begin interviewing partners that you might consider working with in your adoption journey, that you're really clear on what your budget is so that you can be upfront with that and determine with their help whether or not you guys should work together, of whether or not it's going to impact the speed of your adoption based upon what you can invest in those opportunities. The sixth type of private adoption here in the U.S. is something slightly different than what we've been talking about thus far, and that would be called private adoption, self-matching adoption, independent adoption. There, It goes by several different names, but the gist of it is, is that you are finding expectant parents to match with on your own. And I know that may sound really crazy and overwhelming, like, how would I even find these people? How do I even know what to say to these people? But take a big, deep breath. I help people through that all the time. So it doesn't have to be overwhelming. But you can actually match with people in real life, through digital and social media. And those opportunities can be really impactful for forming a deep, lasting relationship or for having no contact at all after the adoption process is ended. It really, again, varies between each different type of adoption, or excuse me, between each situation that comes up. Now, a common misconception is that this is always going to be the cheaper form of adoption. Again, not necessarily. It depends upon the opportunity. Do they need more uh, medical help, more financial help? Those types of things could play into it. But those are things that you work through once you make a match. And you may be wondering, how in the world do I make a match? Like, how do I find people? How do I talk to people? And again, that really comes down to outreach. I have another video on outreach. It was just last week's episode. You can check that out. But the idea is that you're creating a high quality adoption profile. You're sharing that. And if somebody wants to connect with you as a result of seeing that, they reach out, they talk to you. And then when you're ready for things to get a little bit more serious and a little bit more real, then you actually connect with an adoption attorney to finalize all of the legal paperwork. Again, as I mentioned earlier, when you're doing this, it's still important to get the right adoption professionals to help you through your journey. Now, you don't always have to have all of them and you don't have to have, you know, a $50,000 budget to do that. You can do that really modestly by getting the right resources in your corner to support both you and the expectant parents through the journey. Okay, before we move on to the seventh type of private adoption, I just want you to hear me say it doesn't have to be as overwhelming as you might be feeling right now. I break all of this down for you step by step walk you through each process of the step so that you can really come out and feel really confident that you're going to be focused in the right areas and you're going to save yourself time and money through the process. 
So again, if you need help, head on over to myadoptioncoach.com backslash match to check that out. So the next type of adoption we're going to talk about is really different. Embryo adoption. Embryo adoption means exactly what you think it does. It means that you're adopting an embryo that then you can, you know, carry in your body or that you can have a surrogate carry for you. Embryo adoption typically still requires a home study, a profile, and answering a lot of questions and going through all of the appropriate tests in order to make sure that you are fit to carry this child to term. Now, embryo adoption can be relatively inexpensive. It can be anywhere from five to $15,000 to adopt the embryo itself by the time you do the necessary paperwork, the necessary fees, and all of the home studies and things of that nature. But the other thing you have to factor in would be actually the fertility cost of the drugs and the procedures and the freezing and the transporting and all of the things that come with getting the embryo from wherever it is to wherever you are and to prepare your body or a surrogate's body for carrying that embryo to term. There is also the opportunity sometimes to adopt an entire lot of embryos from another family who has completed their family already. So you might have the opportunity to adopt five to seven embryos so that you have the opportunity for genetically related children, even though they're not biologically related to you. So that is another, you know, kind of neat and different nuance that comes with embryo adoption. So there you have it, my friend. All seven different types of private adoption, an overview, some misconceptions, some general facts, things that you need to know about each one. I hope that today's video was really helpful in giving you kind of the foundational groundwork of what you need to know. Now, inside that resource over at myadoptioncoach.com backslash match, I have a video that breaks down in a very clear and linear way for each of the seven different types of adoption and the general facts, the misconceptions, and really the things that myself and my over a thousand clients have learned over the past several years after they have pursued and ultimately been successful with each type of those adoptions. I also give you some things and red flags to watch out for on each one. I help you break down to understand what is the right type of adoption for you. And then we walk through actually making those dreams become a reality. So don't feel overwhelmed. Head on over to myadoptioncoach.com backslash match so that you can get the resource that you need to help you get started on your adoption journey today. Remember, anything's possible with the right plan and support. And I'm only an email away. I'll see you soon, friend.